from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. What's Trending is brought to you by GEICO. you got a choice of ways that you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online to GEICO.com or stop by the GEICO office nearest to you. Let's get it. we got Thursday Night Football tonight, Joe. It's the Jets and the Jaguars. They're playing in New York or New Jersey, actually. If I told you the Jaguars were still in the playoff race, would you believe me? No. Based on how their season started and kind of like it's been fits and starts. Yeah, I know that uh, Trevor Lawrence has been feisty as mm-hmm. of late, but I would not think of them in, as playoff contenders. Jaguars 6-8 and eight are actually only one game behind the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South while we focus on the suckitude of the NFC South. <laughs> Truth of the matter is we could have a AFC South champion with a losing record as well. Jets 7-7 seven and seven, trying to cling to their faint playoff hopes. Actual good game of interest here. Particularly the way the Jaguars took care of the Cowboys last week. We'll see if Zach Wilson's taken care of tonight. The, the Jets QB. It's gift-giving season. Man, it's going to be cold there. Yeah, it's going to be cold. It is going to be cold. So I don't love I don't love Sonny Lawrence playing great in the cold. I don't see that as being a maybe thing. Not, maybe not. So what what's happening this week is you'll see these videos, you'll see these posts about what quarterbacks are getting for their offensive line. Oh no! Or what like the wide receivers get for the other wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I can't, Isaiah McKenzie uh, with the Buffalo Bills, he gave all the other wide receivers customized video game cabinets that feature a variety of games, including NFL Blitz and some other stuff. Pretty cool. Apparently, Zach Wilson got his offensive linemen these motorized scooters. Not like a bird or a lime scooter. Like these are like little ATVs almost. Okay. <laughs> it's going to re- lead to some injuries potentially. I, 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 yeah, I kind of had the same thought too. Like maybe you want to protect these guys. I don't know. But this is this is the time of the year where the quarterbacks are all getting judged on the gifts that they get for their offensive line. I enjoy it. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Let's go back in time. Into the distant past of earlier this year. We we have still been kind of parsing through, trying to find deeper meaning into what happened at the end of last basketball season. How Mike Krzyzewski handled his farewell tour. How he announced his retirement versus how Roy Williams announced his retirement. Heck, earlier this week, Jeff Goodman, our friend, Stadium field of 68 podcast just made an observation about the differences between roy williams and mike krzyzewski and how they've gone about their retirement we haven't seen k like we'll hear reports of k showing up to a grandchild's basketball game i've seen video of him working the slots in vegas like he's not there he's unlike roy who's kind of like the unofficial mascot for unc athletics not just basketball i know he did an interview last night at the Jumpman invitational michael jordan his dear friend so it makes a lot of sense so we're still parsing through this stuff. <laughs> we got a podcast with Paolo Bancara, who was on that squad, talking to J.J. Redick, who was at that game as part of a group of 96 former players there for Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. We know the rest. Carolina comes back, they win that game, and we're never going to hear the end of it. Bancara was pretty open in this podcast about the pressure that the team faced that week. I've never felt, to this day, a game like like that last game at home 
Like that was crazy. Like just being on the court and like just the amount of pressure and like expectation we had, like we didn't even really practice or like game plan that week. Like it was just so much going on um, around coaching, you know, people coming in and reporters, like a bunch of media, like the most media, you know, we had all year was during that week. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I just, 96 former players. At the yeah, game. like no, they <laughs> trotting out, out yeah, on the court <laughs> before the yeah. game. That was Paolo Bancaro on the Old Man in Three podcast with J.J. Redick. And what's funny, Julio, is it just confirms all the things that we talked about in the aftermath of that. There are, there are some pluses to how Mike Krzyzewski wanted to go about leaving the Duke program to John Shire, but there were also some cons. One of them was creating an incredible amount of pressure for freshmen who had never been in this situation before. This is not J.J. Redick, his senior year. Right. You know? Who, yeah, they played too much and he ran out of gas and yeah, there wasn't was able that. to go deep in the tournament <laughs> there either. Was, there, there was that. I, in theory, what Mike Krzyzewski did was to set John Shire up for this year in particular. Mm -hmm. And it's too bad that we've seen the injuries to Whitehead and Lively because those were the two big recruiting pieces that were supposed to, you know, give this seamless transition. It's almost like, you know, your, your forefathers died for this and now what is the payoff? And that's that's where you can only plan so much. And you have someone like Mike Krzyzewski who, you know, given the chance again, I wonder if he wouldn't do it differently. Just knowing that, you know, yes, a team like Christian Leitner in 92 could have handled that. Mm -hmm. But a team with a bunch of freshmen who've never been through anything before and not even realizing, oh, you mean the second time we play a team, they're going to be really motivated and probably it won't go Weird, just right? like the first time we saw them? That's unusual. Um, interesting. It's still interesting for me to hear him say, Bancaro say, the pressure was in the Cameron game and not the Final Four game. Well, we because again, speaking of, should you understand a rivalry? Yes, you beat him in Chapel Hill. You should have been prepared in Durham for them to punch back with a better punch. Sure, sure. Then the game in in uh, New Orleans should have been the one where you mm -hmm. were motivated to settle the score, and not that they weren't. Uh, they just ended up Brady Manic made a, made a couple more shots. Caleb Love made a few more shots than they could. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of throw the Final Four game out in this discussion, uh, and I'm glad it he was did the end too. of his career though. So it was, but I guess they weren't thinking of it in those terms. They weren't thinking of those terms because I do believe, and again, this just further crystallizes points that we were making back in March. There was there was a demeanor change in Mike Krzyzewski after they lost to Carolina at home, and I'm not talking about his very terse celebration at the end where he was out there with his family and they were all pissed off because they had just lost to Carolina. He called that unacceptable, right? In the post-game press conference, when he had some time to cool off, he's like, all right, I'm glad this is over. And he actually, I think he viewed going to the tournament, the, NCAA, the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament as a reset button. And he said it multiple times. All that stuff about me was done in Cameron. This is about seeing how far we can go. And this is this group, their journey, blah, blah. Notice how it changed. No, no, no. And I think once I'm, we got to that Final Four game, it really was just two teams where Carolina made more shots. I'm thinking in two prisms here. Okay. Right? The first one is, do you think Mike Krzyzewski enjoyed any part of last year? No. Now, knowing, now, knowing what he knows now, do you think he enjoyed any part of last year? Probably not, no. Okay, now. This gets to Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. When If you start to think it's over, guess what? It's over. Yeah. And you look at what Tom Brady's going through this year. 
you know, oh, I got to come back for one more thing. Now, Mike's motivations to come back for one more thing were truly Mike Krzyzewski, the competitor, wants to do something that has has really not been done before, mm-hmm. which is extend a dynasty beyond one coach, right? So I can understand the competitive fires that burned in Mike Krzyzewski to try to make to build that better mousetrap at the end of his career. But, you know, you look at it and you go, once you start thinking it's over, like uh, to set to set a retirement date like that, in my opinion, I, I just don't know how, like Tom Brady, when you come back, it's just not the same. If you think you're done, then you are done. Next up. NC State's playing the last place team in the ACC tonight. Well, they're, they're, they share it with them. They're a 17 and a half point favorite. Uh, last time we saw this was during the football season when NC State hosted the last place team in Boston College. They were a 17 and a half point favorite. What could go wrong, Joe? Everything? Look, Louisville's 2 and 10. NC State's 10 and 3. NC State had two, I think, nice, important wins for them last week. Beat Furman here at home in a game where they showed you all the things they could be when they applied themselves on defense. And then on Saturday, they go to Chicago. They take care of Vanderbilt in a game in the second half where DJ Burns really had to be a factor. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of state fans they asked me about Isaiah Miranda, the seven-foot uh, four-star prospect who they were able to add midseason. And with the injury to Dusan Maharsic, you're like, well, they need another big. They need another big. The droid you're looking for, the big you're looking for here is DJ Burns. Mm. He's the one who can make a difference. Do I think Miranda could potentially help off the bench with some minutes? Maybe. But this idea that Miranda's going to come in and, and be Anthony Davis, you know, you got to like, <laughs> you have to have more realistic expectations than that for this kid. Will we see him tonight? I would guess yes, after a week, uh, now a week of practice that he's been able to be on the floor. Mm hmm. But, again, I think D.J. Burns and having him get in better shape is NC State's best path to the NCAA tournament. Next up. Number two. Tony Grimes. You know that name. Carolina guy. No longer a Carolina guy. We understood he was going into the transfer portal. Now we know his landing spot. Texas A&M. Huh. Is is this... What Mac Brown was talking about, if you just need to look at who's at the top of the recruiting rankings to know who's, you know, doing all this NIL stuff, right? I mean, Nick Saban talked about it. Maybe Mac Brown was feeling that too. So Tony Grimes is gonna go to Texas AM. Makes sense. They got money. They're building these recruiting classes. They're playing the NIL game better than anybody else. But listen to Jimbo Fisher today, head coach at Texas AM. Lack any self awareness with what he's doing and how he's part of the problem. Well, did you ever uh, picture things going this way as far as transfer portals, NIL, things like that? You mean in college football? Your... Yes, sir. I knew eventually pay for play. I didn't know if it NIL like it came about. And it can, like I say, the, the problem with all of it is there's no consistency in rules. And then when you get into the portal, there's so much tampering going on. It's it's utterly ridiculous. I mean, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke in ruling college football. And like I heard, uh, I was a coach at UTSA the other day. I think he was. I mean, those guys there, and all of a sudden, everybody's robbing their players and taking their. I mean, using them. I mean, that level of players at, at that. I mean, we. This is not good for college football as far as how it's done. I'm not saying being able to transfer is not bad. I'm not saying paying players is not bad. But the current rules and status of how it's done, the way it's done, is ridiculous. 
I mean, but it is here. So everybody's got the same issues. Everybody's got the same problems. And, you know, the ones that keep pushing the rules and breaking them will get rewarded. And the other ones, you've got to keep fighting, scratching, and clawing to do things the right way. But you can do it that way and win. Always have. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher. Texas A&M head football coach. That's just amazing. It's interesting that the NCAA has no control over anything. Mm-hmm. Now, you could retort the NCAA never had control no. over anything. It's also interesting to hear these coaches, without naming ever naming names, apparently, yes. say, well, the tampering is ridiculous. And Now, you have to put your name in the portal in order to be contacted. That was the whole point of the portal, Yes, just so you know. But how many of those guys put their name in the portal knowing full damn well where things are going to go? There's no doubt. Yeah. But but you also need to put your name in the portal for leverage purposes. True. Because that's how the market works. Yes. You, a school is only going to bid itself against itself so many different times. So you, you get to the crux of the issue that I, I have been bothered by all week. And this is why I kept saying I'm not pointing out and singling out Mac Brown. He's just one of many coaches. He just happens to be the local one who has been very, uh, very vocal about it. There's no white horse coming, though. Well, that's the part what these coaches need to get to come to grips with. But this happens every signing day, though. This happens every signing day where we have the coaches complaining about the state of college athletics, the state of college football, how things are bad, things are, ter- things are terrible, except that revenue is through the roof. Television keeps pouring money into your conferences. Your salaries continue to go up because of all the money that's coming into the popularity of college football. Ratings are up. The demand for college football is so much that we're expanding the playoffs and we're asking teams to play, what, 15 to 17 games now in the grand scheme of things. So, but these are the same people who will give you the red herring of, remember that time that uh, the imaginary player got in trouble for putting cream cheese on their bagel and it was an NCAA issue? And it's like, well, no, you don't want the NCAA overreach. Also, the NCAA is completely incompetent. So stop acting like the NCAA is going to come and save you. They're not. They're not going to save you. But my issue right now is let's stop talking in generalities and making it seem like it's your program that's doing it the right way. Right. In an When we don't even know what the right way is anymore. There is no they're definition use, of the right way. They're using the same old textbook play of saying, oh, man, you know, we, we, we can still do it the right way. Man. Jimbo, we know what's going on. Stop trying to act as though it's 10 years ago. There are no rules, so why are you trying to act as though you're the one true person in a thieves' town, all right? It's like Casablanca all of a sudden. So this is my ultimate problem with coaches, and you just referred to it. Name names. All right, who's tampering? What is the tampering? How does it function? You just want to pop off on a radio show, Pat Narduzzi, and just willy-nilly throw out $5 million in relation to Drake May? And they get mad at the media for how we talk about stuff? Same applies to Mac Brown. Suddenly, they're the investigative reporters in college football. Okay, cool. You are on the ground level. You talk to other coaches. Tell us. Well, you don't want to, though. You don't want to. And the reason why well, you don't want there's to. There's still no enforcement arm to it, though. They don't want enforcement. I know they don't. They don't want enforcement. What they, they really just, want is a salary cap. They just want a bitch. Okay. That's it is. That's fair. Now, there are things they can control. This is one of those be careful what you wish for. I had our listener, Lake, refer to the fact that, hey, man, there's a lot of stuff going on with these college coaches right now. You got early signing period. You got the transfer portal. They got to get ready for a bowl game. You're right. But who wanted the early signing period? Because they thought it was actually going to be helpful for them. Who wanted that? 
Coaches. Coaches did. Now they hate it. You don't even know what you want. So all I ask is either put it out there, say who it is, which has happened before, and then you end up being Phil Fulmer and you're labeled as a snitch, or shut up. Take your money and go coach some football. Next up. The number one story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. The Tar Heels, back-to-back big wins. Ohio State over the weekend, Michigan last night in the Jumpman Invitational. But there's one question I do have when it comes to the Tar Heels and how they've gotten to this point. We'll discuss next. Look us up, 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Hit the likes. Make the comments. We want that engagement fired up. Speaking of fired up, Tar Heels got fired up last night against Michigan for a variety of reasons. Hubert Davis, head coach of the Tar Heels. This is now two games in a row. In one game, he had to fire them up. Basically called them soft. They turned that around. They pulled it off. Beat Ohio State in overtime. And then Michigan was a team that instigated some stuff yesterday. Tar Heels responded. They got fired up again. Hubert loves to see it. I'm an emotional guy. And so just trying to get our guys to... Um, they were getting fired up. I was getting fired up. And I liked them when they are fired up and wanted to keep them fired up. And so it was nothing more than um, encouraging them and... Um, motivating them to be at their best and play as hard as they could. This is Hubert Davis last night after the win against Michigan. I mean, it's probably easy to simplify why the Tar Heels have won these games. Their best players, like R.J. Davis, where he took over late in Ohio State to put them in position to make the winning play to get them to overtime. And last night, more Armando Baycott, Caleb Love in that offense. Tar Heels look like they're supposed to look last night, Joe going to do something that North Carolina fans are not going to like and that NC State fans are not going to like. North Carolina basketball this year mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of NC State football. <laughs> NC State football talks a lot about our margin of error and mm-hmm. the way that we have to play to win games. It's a yeah. very small margin of error. I think North Carolina's big three need to be their big three. And when they're not, they're not going to beat good teams. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to oversimplify that because basically I think that's what it comes down to. Last year, they had the luxury of Manic being the extra. He also happened to be the leader, right? That allowed Davis or Love to have an off game. Yeah. When they were all going, forget it. That's how they get to the tournament. That's how you get to the final because they were all going. Mm-hmm. This year, I think this team doesn't have that luxury. It has to be all three have to go. Otherwise, the margin of error is just such that they're not going to win the game. My question is what gets them going, though? Because there, there is a there is a consistency between what happened with Ohio State and what happened against Michigan last night. In Ohio State, I referenced it. Hubert Davis at halftime challenged them, called them soft. That's something that Carolina was labeled with at the low point of their season against Pitt. Put a pit in Pitt, by the way, because that's next for the Tar Heels, and I'll be curious to see how things play out for them. If they get called soft, they respond, they get back into that game, they pull it out. Got it. Last night was a chippy game against Michigan. Michigan went in there fake tough like Michigan tends to do. I know you pointed this out with Jawan Howard. They kind of feed off that vibe of his. But to Michigan's own mistake, Carolina has it in them, has it in them to 
to power through that fake toughness and smush them. Because that's what Armando Baycott did last night against the other big for Michigan. That's twice in a row now, by yeah. the way, that Armando Baycott, did last December, this December. So my curiosity is, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if they know the answer to this. This is probably what gets Hubert Davis very frustrated. Last year was last year. You unlocked what you knew you were capable of. With one major difference with Manic. There is one major difference in Manic, but as you said, they're still good enough to be championship contenders with Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, and Caleb Love, right? At their best. I don't know. That's the thing. You, you, I, I just compared them to NC State football. It, mm-hmm. The real problem for Carolina basketball is they don't compare to those other great Carolina basketball teams. Yeah, well, you, you and I have been talking about that all season. Like, who's a pro on this team? Mm, there's a reason why they're all back. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, sometimes you just have to play, pick the pro, find the pro. Mm-hmm. And when you can't find one, now Love, I, I think Love has a chance. He has the right size to do it. Mm-hmm. Baycott is back and making money this year because, yeah, it would be it's more lucrative for him to play college basketball this year than go to the G League. No doubt. He made a smart move. And that doesn't mean he can't go on to be a Kenneth Fareed in the NBA if all the stars align for him. That's fine. But this isn't Danny Green. This isn't Ty Lawson. This isn't Wayne Ellington. Like these aren't like super ultra talented guys who can just score yeah. on a dime. Like I'm saying, it all has to, everything has to line up for them to work, and that's a tough little margin for Hubert to manage. And we we talked with CL Brown before, and if you missed that conversation, you can catch it on the Best the OG podcast. But the truth to me is, I want to see a little bit more out of Trimble. I want to see a little bit more out of us a, a styles and done you know i know they haven't been uh healthy but I, I think the more guys you can get out there the more different things you can get out mm-hmm. and, and play maybe some different ways maybe add a little defensive pressure like we saw in that virginia tech game i think that's going to ultimately help carolina in the long run just thinking i mean it's a very nc state thought process to go into every game thinking you know if our three best players mm-hmm. all score 20 points and are on their game peace and cues tonight we're gonna definitely gonna win this game yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, a, a lot. That's, a, that's a lot to put on them, too. That is a lot to ask. I mean, and we saw this last year in the Final Four where they had the whole Iron Five thing going right. on, and Brady Manick was a part of that. But in that Carolina Duke game, they still needed crucial minutes out of Puff Johnson. Yes. Okay. And he played really well in the Final Four, too. And, by he, the play, way. and he played excellent in the, in the Final Four. That's what I'm saying. But he wasn't playing a lot of minutes leading up to that, but they knew they could get mm-hmm. off the bench and get those minutes. Maybe Hubert Davis trusts these guys in similar situations uh, to do that again. I don't know. Hubert just seems to, if I could best guess what's going on here, is that what's going on with Armando, what's going on with RJ, what's going on with Caleb, is there's a challenge of you got to be this guy every single night. It's not easy. And it's not easy, and they're trying to find that motivation to do it every Their single night. Their schedule's been night. hard. Like, this is and, not and an easy schedule. And I'm glad you brought play. that up, because I think now that we've gotten further away from that four-game losing streak in the context of the travel that was involved with it and what we've seen the last two games, can we take a breath? Can we Can we, Can we? we chill out now, based the, on what we've seen from the Tar Heels right now? Even though Ohio State games in New York, the Michigan games in Charlotte, yeah, that's, that's that was not a, easy. That was a home game. No, but that's... <laughs> The last they, look, they get a week. A they get the nine time. days off now before they go to yeah. Pitt, and the grind starts for them. And, and you'll and we'll see. And you'll remember, Pitt was the team that allegedly called them out after they won in the Smith Center. Called not them, not just the team, but Jason Cable, Jason one of their own, called them out. The he, family. He was a plant. My he, family. He motivated them. I'll be curious to see if they remember, and whether they go and take it to Pitt because that's the motivating factor for their next game. The newsletter is called NC Rabbit Hole, although I feel like it's... What do you think, Julio? Should we rename this segment 
let's let Jeremy Markovich flex on the haters. He's got two and two. It's not even the most impressive thing he's done. What is what is that? It's not even close. And that would be being included in the best American sports writing is is easy. Uh, Piece this, of cake, is, man. That's that takes it all. This this is a fact that's been out there for eight years now. Yeah, and a, I'd still be man. celebrating it. <laughs> if I were you, I'd still be celebrating it. Jeremy just casually <laughs> Jeremy just casually pulled these Emmys down from a shelf. Buddy, I got those on my mantle. I have like the I have the one that we backdoored into. Golden I have one. And I got uh, that thing on my mantle. All right. Uh, and you're like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's where the kids can't get it. Yeah, but it's not whatever because he's so proud of these like skeet shooting medals or whatever he's got in the background. Five Ks, ten Ks. He's so proud of the Ohio University <laughs> in the real Athens back there. That's, like, yeah, it's that, your yeah. your priorities are so skewed, man. I can't even handle it. That's true. Well, I, you know, you know what, you know what, like. Uh, this was a nice gift last year, and like I these were just in a pile, and then they mm-hmm. give me like I, I I need people to help me with organization, and that's that's what's happening. Right. Fair yeah. enough, fair that's enough. Jer- Jeremy Markovich, <laughs> NC Rabbit Hole is the newsletter. Uh, go subscribe. It's a it's a fun it's a fun read. All right, so here's uh, here's my uh, my curiosity. Speak, speaking of having a lot of stuff and a lot of tchotchkes back there, North mm-hmm. Carolina seems to have a lot of tchotchkes as well in terms of like official this, like the official whatever of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, I was aware that North Carolina had an official Christmas tree. It would be the Fraser fir, uh, mm-hmm. which is cool. Whatever. But back in 2005, there was a state senator who said, no, 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 no. I am going to vote no on the Fraser for being the state Christmas tree. Why would, why would you do that? Does, is he a Grinch? Is he like Jillio? Does he not like Christmas? No, he loves Christmas. Okay. He, he loves, so this, this, is, this is where uh, you, you, you don't make a campaign promise that you don't intend to keep. Or at least that was the way that it used to be. Um, there's a guy named Richard Stevens, uh, who, if you have been around Raleigh long enough, you, you may remember his name. He's a state senator. Mm-hmm. And um, when he first ran for office, way back when, uh, there was a, a news story about a debate over which berry should be the official state berry of North Carolina, whether it should be the blueberry or the strawberry okay and and the general assembly uh and its infinite wisdom debated this and could not come to an agreement so they came up with an official red berry which is the strawberry and an official blueberry which is the blueberry and if you're rolling your eyes a lot of people were rolling your eyes back then and and there was a guy named richard stevens who was just running for his first term in the in the north carolina senate somebody asks him at a rally hey uh, what do you think about all this red berry, blueberry stuff? And he goes, you know something? This is ridiculous. We have to spend our time on education and taxes and all this other stuff. And I, I promise you here tonight, if I am elected to the Senate, I will never vote for any state symbol. I will not vote for any single one. Okay. Then he got elected. Yeah. And then he had to keep the promise. I see. So he was the only person in the entire state Senate that voted no I'm making the Fraser for the official state Christmas See, tree. I, you know what? I I came into this mad at this guy. For like, how could you not vote for the tree? But he's just keeping his campaign promises. Good for him. I appreciate he, that. He, a man's got to live by a code, Joe. I've told you this before. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he stuck to it. And he stuck to his principles. There was one where he said that somebody really like twisted his arm and said, "Hey, look, I'm from like uh, the era like like Seagrove, like Pottery's big down there. You got you got to help me out. You got to vote for Pottery." And he's like, "Like, just tell me." 
tell me you won't vote against it. He's like, okay, I won't vote against it. I promise you I won't vote against it. And when the vote came up, he's like, you know something? Now's a good time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's the oldest trick in the book, man. The abstained, abstained. Jeremy Margovich, NC Rabbit Hole, joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. Uh, we'll close on this. There's a man in Gastonia uh, who, if you're going to put ornaments on a, on a on a Christmas tree, you probably have a collection of things that mean something to you, right? Like, Giglio, you, you got a fake tree, but you've got ornaments that you put up every year. These things matter to you, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, Jeremy, I'm sure you're in the same boat. I know I do. We try to add an, an ornament every mm -hmm. year yeah. to kind of, you know, commemor commemorate, you know, the year, blah, 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 blah. There's a man in Gastonia who has how many Christmas ornaments exactly? Do you know? He's got a lot. He's well. He's he's responsible for millions of them. Millions. Um, his name is Marshall Roush. Millions of them. Um, for a while there, um, a Gastonia, a factory in Gastonia was responsible for. It was like the largest maker of Christmas ornaments in the world. Okay. And it came from Gastonia, North Carolina. And the story is is that. That uh, the man who owned the factory was a guy named Marshall Roush, who also, by the way, happened to end up as a state senator. And and basically what happened was this. This is like 1965, like when you have like the old school, like the aluminum Christmas trees, like the Charlie Brown Christmas love trees those. that were like silver. Yeah, I love those, man. And, and you turn on and you had like a color. Mm -hmm. I got one at the house wheel. right now. Yep. And, you know, you would put the wheel on the tree, which are three different colors. And, and so he figured out, people figured out that if you could basically get like these satin ornaments, like, like basically a styrofoam ball wrapped in sat, like a satin thing, it would look amazing mm -hmm. on these Christmas trees. And so this guy named Marshall Roush owns this, he was, you know, worked at this uh, textile mill down in Gastonia. Somebody calls him one day and they're like, hey, um, look, if you can figure out a way to wrap a styrofoam ball and this like this, this thread, you're going to make a lot of money. We're going to make a ton of Christmas ornaments. And so he's like, can you do that? And uh, in his brain, Marshall Roush is like, no. Uh, but on the phone, he said, yes. And he went back and he figured out a way to do it. And he made a bunch of money. And then he he ended up making more. He, they got into the glass ornament business and, and made more ornaments than, I mean, for one time, they, they made more than anybody else in the world. And and the kicker to all this, and this is this is he's an extremely funny guy, is that uh, Marshall Roush is Jewish, and he has made every single joke that you could like 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 don't even like in your brain if you're like what joke could I make about this like he's like he has nah. made it. it's like yeah. don't don't you, you he, he's made a lifetime out of doing this his joke to me was like uh, this is a quote from what he told me all my friends tease me how do you feel about making ornaments for the Christian religion uh, Marshall Roush says uh, I have no problem one of our guys started Christianity. So, so he really, he really guys. got into the he really got into the Christmas spirit. He had doormats on the on the at the Christmas tree factory out front that said Shalom. Like uh, it was, he he really went all in on it. And and great guy, sense of humor, still alive at ninety nine years old. Awesome. Um, just just a great guy. Awesome. We actually can't let Jeremy leave because he's our resident Wake fan. You okay with the Deeks beating Duke at home and not rushing the court? Um, well, all the students are gone. So, so if like, I don't, I know like when the students are there, like you're supposed to do that, but is it weird if like, okay, if I'm there and then like all like my buddies are there and we're yeah. like, we all rush the court and it's all like the grownups rush the court. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
Why not? It's like Christmas. You, you're never too old for it, right? Yeah, I mean, true. maybe you don't rush. You maybe you don't rush the court because you might blow out a knee. Uh, but you could you could walk out onto the court. So you're saying this wasn't in in the great grand spirit of Jeff Bezdelic. This was not showing respect to John Shire by showing no respect to John Shire. This this had nothing to do with I'm, John Shire. I'm, I'm just saying that if the adults are going to rush the court, like it's going to take a while for all of us to take the elevator down to okay. get to court level. That's fair. Like yeah, no, uh, that's a good it's, point. It's, it's yeah. going to like we'll do it, but it's going to take about an hour. You, you do know that's the team you hate the most, though, right? Since your favorite team is. Carolina and your second favorite team is Wake. Yes, Duke's the yes. team you hate the most. So. We do not, we do not enjoy Duke. Um, although Marshall Roush played for Eddie Cameron, but way back nice. in the day, old Very school nice. Duke guy. So How about that? All right. can't 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 hate too much. <laughs> Jeremy Markovich. Nobody in this house hears me. Jeremy Markovich, <laughs> NC Rabbit Hole. All right, man. Have a good Christmas. We'll talk to you later. All right, you too.